Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, June 13th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hundreds of alleged criminals are now in law enforcement custody. Find out how the collaborative effort could affect the safety of Mississippians. Then we'll hear from U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith on what she'd like to see in Washington this summer. And officials and advocates are stressing the importance of safe travel on highways and local streets this summer, why they say all Mississippians should avoid distracted driving. Plus, Mississippians are gathering to remember the life of activist Medgar Evers, a special report 55 years after he was gunned down in the driveway of his Jackson home. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The U.S. Marshal Service and multiple enforcement agencies from the Southern District of Mississippi are collaborating to reduce crime. This week, U.S. Attorney Mike U.S. Attorney Michael Hurst and the Marshal's Task Force announced the arrest of 270 people for a range of crimes in a six-week sting called Operation Triple Beam. The operation focused on 45 counties in the Southern District of Mississippi. Ninety gang members are among those arrested, and officers seized 50 illegal firearms. Hurst says the U.S. Marshals targeted those involved in violent crime. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier more about the operation. The United States Marshal Service went out throughout our district, um, encompassing about 45 counties in the southern part of the state, and really focused on going after violent crime, executing arrest warrants from various federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies, and arrests range from anything from uh, illegal possessions of firearms to drug charges to aggravated assaults to even murders. And so what they've done for our community and our district is huge, and this is going to have a real impact on uh, fighting crime in our district. Do you really think it it will have an impact? There is a concern that Jackson is out of control in terms of crime, and also there's uh, the the fear of gangs uh, and their violent uh, efforts and what they're involved in across the state. What would you say to folks? Well, I would. I want to encourage folks. Um, when I became U.S. Attorney seven months ago, um, shortly thereafter, we started an initiative called Project Eject. Eject stands for Empower Jackson, Expel Crime Together. And what we're trying to do is go after those in our communities that are terrorizing our neighbors, our citizens here in the city of Jackson, but also we're trying to get into the schools. We're trying to get into the prisons. We're trying to do not only prosecution, but we're trying to do prevention and rehabilitation. So I would encourage the citizens of Jackson, we're not giving up on you. This is our capital city. It's worth fighting for, and we're going to continue to fight it as long as I'm a United States attorney. Is this an ongoing effort? Will this continue? Well, I don't want to um, speak too much as to the operational capabilities of the United States Marshals. Um, There has to be an element of surprise in some things we do. And so this Operation Triple Beam that they brought to our district, we did not breathe a word about it. They came in to various cities, various counties, executed what they um, intended to do. And I think it was very successful when they do that. So. 
And this is a first for this area? No, we actually, uh, the Marshals did Operation Triple Beam, I believe, just a few years ago in the city of Hattiesburg. But this is the first time ever in the history of our country that the United States Marshals have executed this type of operation throughout an entire judicial district. So this occurred in the Southern District of Mississippi. And, um, and I think for the short amount of time that it was in place, it was incredibly successful arresting over 270 individuals. And you said you're going to be hiring more prosecutors? Yeah, last week, uh, United States Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, sent 311 new prosecutors out to the field, of which our office received four just for violent crime. So the more cases that come on our door, we're going to have the more capability to take those on, and we're going to take them to court, and we're going to try to clean up our district. Is there anything that really needs to be pointed out about dealing with crime and, and trying to get a hold of what's happening? Well, I would also emphasize that in addition to arresting 270, uh, almost a third of those were gang members. So we're really going to go after gangs. It's a scourge on our community. Um, the marshals picked up uh, 50 illegal weapons off the street, uh, drugs, various dirty money. So I think the work that they've done over the past six weeks are going to uh, really thwart crime and save lives that we may never know about. Mississippi's Southern District U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst. Don Snyder is Chief Inspector with the U.S. Marshal Service. He tells our Desiree Frazier some investigations will continue. The operation was very uh, challenging logistically. Usually when we, we do an Operation Triple Beam, the operations focus on a smaller area. In the Southern District of Mississippi is a large area with several different cities. So Logistically, moving personnel from city to city it was challenging, but I would also tell you it was extremely successful in, in the number of arrests, the quality of arrests, um, 50 firearms off the street that are no longer being used in criminal activity. It's a huge success. Can you speak to the type of gang activity that you came across? Gangs are notorious for firearms, drugs, and illegal money, dirty money. What does that mean? It just means money obtained through criminal activity. So selling narcotics and prostitution. And the gangs operating in Southern District of Mississippi are no different than gangs everywhere else. They're interested in making money, and so they're doing it by trafficking narcotics. And, and they're using guns in, their, in our, their narcotics trafficking, and that's when people get hurt. So it's, it's uh, I think, removing those guns off the street is... 50 guns, it sounds like a decent number, but it's, the impact is going to be felt for a long time. How so? Those are 50 guns that would probably be used in criminal activity. So taking those off the street is, is a big deal. Will you be back? We have our Gulf Coast Regional Fugitive Task Force that's here doing this full-time on a concentrated effort kind of scale. And if they need resources to do another Operation Triple Beam, the Marshal Service will step up and come back and do it again. U.S. Marshal Service Don Snyder with MPB's Desiree Frazier. In other news, Republican U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith says she and her colleagues should stay in Washington and work through the traditional August recess. She says the hot summers of Mississippi have taught her how to deal with the blazing temperatures and modern conveniences like air conditioning eliminate the need for the late summer break. She tells MPB correspondent Matt Laszlo it's important for senators to work hard on things like the farm bill. It, it's fast. That's what I think about it. It's really fast, but uh, it's a wonderful, exciting place. Honored to be here. And now you come up here, some of these bills have already been worked on, but they're doing the farm bill. 
you know, former ag commissioner. What do those conversations look like? And do you like the final product that you're seeing? Are you trying to tweak it? Well, uh, you know, to get to the votes that you have to have to pass something on bipartisan, it uh, there's a lot of details involved. And uh, hopefully we're going to come out with a product that everybody can live with. But there's a lot of things in there that I'm excited about. This is historically a bipartisan bill that brings urban and rural lawmakers together. But now a lot of urban lawmakers don't like the changes to the nutrition program. What do you think of those changes? Well, you know, there are a few changes there. I, uh, as a conservative Republican, I, uh, I'm okay with the changes that I've seen. We, uh, you know trying to get there still. I just spoke with the chairman, Pat Roberts, on the Senate floor, and he uh, he's kind of frustrated with some things and some details, but uh, hopefully it will be something that will be beneficial to Mississippi, but heavily, heavily leaning on the conservative side. Do you think those changes could or will be beneficial to uh, the economically depressed parts of Mississippi? I think it's going to be fair. I think it's going to be the process that has to be followed in order to qualify and to verify things. And uh, I I think it's going to be a good thing. And uh, now you come here filling Mr. Cochran's shoes. That's got to be a heavy weight on your shoulders. can be pretty intimidating. I tell you, Senator Cochran was so well-respected here. He is so well-respected, and they are big shoes to fill. He accomplished a lot of things for our state. I'm very honored to be chosen by the governor to come in behind Senator Cochran. And, uh, you know, he just has a pathway here that has made it pretty smooth for me because they respected him and liked him so well. I feel like that, uh, you know, they look at me in a frame of, she's Senator Cochran's replacement, we're going to get to know her. But, uh, you know, it is nice to come in behind someone that everybody just held to a very high opinion that uh, was well-respected. And now he was known to be very bipartisan, respected across the spectrum, across the aisle. You're now getting primaried by someone who wants you to go very far to the right. How do you negotiate that? Well, you know, everybody wants what's just and fair, And so that's my goal. I um, know that, you know, you don't get everything you want in every bill. You know, that's just the way this process works. But um, I think I will have the conservative flair, but also, you know, to look at things reasonable, base them on sound science, sound judgment, and uh, try to strike something that um, I think is very prudent. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith with correspondent Matt Laszlo. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition on your favorite podcasting app. Coming up, officials and advocates are stressing the importance of safe travel on highways and local streets this summer. Why they say all Mississippians should avoid distracted driving. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fix It 101, Jeff Simmons from Houseworks and Dale Moore from Affordable Solutions 601, along with Jason Klein, welcome back the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. She's going to be in your garage popping the hood, seeing what's going on with your vehicle during these hot summer months. So no matter if you're planning another road trip for the summertime fun, or you just want to make sure your car doesn't quit in 5 o'clock traffic, tune in to the next Fix It 101 as we sit with mechanic Allison Walker today, 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Warmer temperatures mean more activity on Mississippi roads. Officials and advocates are encouraging drivers to help save lives by avoiding distracted driving. The Mississippi Department of Transportation is reminding travelers to pay attention to road projects, especially with workers on the roadways. The caution could benefit both drivers and workers. As MDOT Public Information Officer Jace Ponder tells us, 80% of those killed in work zones are the are the drivers themselves. When we're talking work zones, the, the biggest concern is motorists just paying attention and, and slowing down. When workers are doing work on a busy roadway, highway, what have you, mm-hmm. are they nervous? Are they tense all the time when they hear traffic whizzing past them? I've talked with a few of the road crews, and I've gone out with the road crews, especially on the interstate. Uh, for instance, I-20, where you've got six lanes of traffic. There was a crew putting up signs in the median. And, yeah, you can feel the vibrations of the trucks as they pass by, the wake, the, the noise of the tires on the on the highway. And the motorists are, are always aware of it, and they're always thinking about it. Definitely nervous about it, because if you're not and you lose, you drop your guard, you stop paying attention, that's when accidents happen. They're they're trained to stay aware and to, to look out for, uh, to keep an eye on the vehicles and also to keep an eye on one another. Um, an example out of, uh, I think it was in Hattiesburg, an inspector was out there on the road. He had his back turned to the road. He was well off the, the right-of-way in the shoulder. Someone had an oversized load that was hanging out, and one of the other workers saw this vehicle coming and pulled the inspector out of the way so he didn't get hit by this carpet that someone was hauling. So, yes, they're always aware of the road and the road conditions and the motors that are on the road because if they're not... Uh, the risk of injury or worse is very high. Why are flaggers in some places, some work zones, and not in others? What constitutes a need for a flagger? The flaggers tend to be on the two-lane routes where you can't close a lane and still have traffic flowing through in that direction. You know, on the four-lane roads, you can close down the right lane, traffic continues in the left lane, and it won't be entering oncoming traffic. But in a two-lane road, you got to stop the oncoming traffic so that the through traffic and get past the work zone. Otherwise, there'll be a bottleneck for hours. What else should drivers be aware of as they approach a work zone? Or how do they know that they're, they are approaching a work zone? There's signs well in advance of, of the work zones. Even when the crews are mobile, there will be a, it's a shadow vehicle is what it's called. The shadow vehicle will be behind the actual work zone. And it'll place signs that say workers present, workers on the roadway. And when motorists see that, they should immediately begin to slow down and be aware that they're going to be approaching something that's going to impact traffic or could impact traffic. So they should slow down and pay attention. As they get closer, they'll actually see the road combs that are set up if there's if it's a temporary work zone that has road combs, or they'll see the truck with the arrow telling you to move over one direction or the other. So the biggest thing is motorists see the signs, pay attention to the signs that are warning them of the work zone coming up. And then once they're actually in the work zone, slow down, give as much space as you can to the workers, and pay attention. Those workers are working inches away from from vehicles, and they may have to make a sudden movement with a piece of equipment, and it could come over one inch into the travel lane, and that one inch could be the difference between an accident, a wreck, and an injury. And we don't want anybody to get hurt. 
Jace, have there been any workers in Mississippi who have been killed or seriously injured by a distracted or impaired driver? Every year, the, the Mississippi Department of Transportation does a fallen worker memorial. Uh, we did it back in April during Work Zone Awareness Month. And yes, unfortunately, there was a highway worker killed last year in 2017. He was working off of the side of the road. I think he was working on a light box, traffic signal light box, and a traveler or motorist left the roadway, struck his work vehicle, the work vehicle struck him. Um, so yes, the, unfortunately, people are killed and injured in work zones, including highway workers. But the statistics show that 80% of the people that die in work zone accidents are motorists. And what happens is they tend to run into the back of <clears throat> work vehicles or they run into the back of other motorists because they're not paying attention to the roadway. They think that they've got more time because so they're going too fast and they can't stop soon enough. What is the website is, or is there a website people can go to about some of these safety tips we've been talking about and other uh, matters with MDOT? Yeah, for, for general summer travel uh, safety and work zone awareness safety, uh, go to gomdot.com slash drivesmartms. And then for general road conditions before you hit the road, mdottraffic.com. It'll show you road closures, where different work zones are, where projects are, and where there may be crashes that are impacting traffic and what the flow of traffic is in various interstate routes throughout Mississippi. Jace Ponder is the public information officer for the Mississippi Department of Transportation. Jace, thanks so much. Thank you, Karen. Julie Garner founded Project Yellow Light after losing her son, Hunter, in an accident. The campaign promotes safe driving habits with messaging created by teens and young adults for their peers. She tells us when young drivers are out of school, it's critical to drive safely, free of distractions. Well, my son, when he turned 16, was killed in a car crash, and it basically just almost ended my life as well as my husband and daughter's. And what we ended up doing is almost immediately starting the scholarship in his name because it was something for our own survival and also because we did not want to see any other young person die needlessly due to a car crash, which is the leading cause of death of our youth in this country. So we put our heart and soul into this project, and it has grown, and we're just really delighted with the success. Do you think that with the advent of social media and texting that that has contributed to more deaths of our young people in car crashes? Well, there's no doubt about it. And in fact, this particular project focuses on the distraction of texting. And it is just um, out there everywhere. And with this age group, like 15 to 25, some of them actually think they're good drivers and, and designate themselves as good drivers because they can text and drive at the same time, you know, which is just insane. And they all think it's not going to happen to them. And the sad thing is it does. And we've just doing everything we can to get the word out to prevent that from ever happening. And we do so by peer-to-peer, friend-to-friend communication, because this is all for youth to youth. And we feel like that authentic voice is what really resonates with each other. 
As kids are getting out of school and hitting the roadways more often, I would guess, with people in the car, their friends, is that why you're targeting or having this PSA campaign now heading into the summer? Well, it's actually an annual thing, and we do it year-round, but you're right. This is one of the deadliest times of year. Summertime, you know, your graduation and vacation and just partying and what have you, it is certainly a time of year where it is the worst, and we are certainly aware of that and doing our best to try to, you know, promote this project. What are some tips for getting not just kids, but everybody to put down their phones and not text? I know that I'm guilty of it at times, picking up my phone when I hear that I've got a text message. What do you recommend? It's just you got to realize that it's can, it can happen to you. It can happen to you. I mean, we never thought it would happen to us. And it's like, oh, my God, your your whole life is turned upside down. It's like I didn't want to survive. I didn't want to survive Hunter's death. I wanted it. I didn't want to continue on myself. And you've just got to get that through your head that this can happen. The number one cause of death for our youth and for so many is just crazy. And, the, you know, people, you're in a car, it's, it's a weapon of mass destruction if you don't treat it properly. So I just say put the phones away, pay attention when you're in the car, drive. Julie Garner lost her son at the age of 16 and as a result became an advocate and founder of Project Yellow Light. Julie, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. And just everybody go to projectyellowlight.com. You learn everything about it. We want all of you to take part. Coming up. Mississippians are gathering to remember the life of activist Medgar Evers, a special report 55 years after he was gunned down in the driveway of his Jackson home. That's after a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Hi, this is Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and you're listening to a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Why is it so much harder to lose the belly fat when you get a little older? So you think about kids. Kids are always moving, and so they're constantly burning calories when they do that. As we get older, we just naturally become less active. You know, the majority of our jobs are sedentary-type jobs, so we burn less calories during the day. But we didn't really change our diet. You know, we we ate a lot of stuff when we were kids and we never gained any weight. We have become less active, but our diet did not shift down with that. For more health tips and medical info, tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. One of the founders of the Mississippi Civil Rights Movement is being remembered 55 years after his assassination. MPB's Ashley Norwood attended a commemoration at the state's new Civil Rights Museum. 
Hundreds are gathered singing a historically black freedom song. At the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, they are reflecting on the life and legacy of civil rights activist Medgar Evers. On June 12, 1963, Evers was shot and killed in the driveway of his home in Jackson by a member of the KKK. As a civil rights activist, he fought for change in the Jim Crow South as the NAACP field secretary for Mississippi. Pamela Jr. is the director of the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. He's all through the museum because he was a vital part here in the state of Mississippi from going to college, from moving to Mount Bayou, from being an insurance man, being the first field secretary for NAACP. He was a part of the movement, the Woolworth, uh, all of those things that happened. Mega was a vital part of it. Charles Hampton is the president of the Mississippi NAACP. He says he believes Evers would have mixed emotions about today's society. We are here 55 years later still carrying on the work that he was doing. We know that, that he have looked down from heaven at us and said we did a great job when we were getting laws to change. But I think now that he would be very sad as to say the condition that we are in, our people suffered the way that they are suffering. Evers died, leaving behind his wife Merle and and three children, Daryl, Rena, and James. His daughter, Rena Evers Everett, attended last night's event. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. See our team's updates throughout the day. Follow MPB News on Twitter. Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Twitter or Facebook. Coming up at 9 o'clock on MPB Think Radio, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.